Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, Democrats can't seem to settle on a message. I mean, are we all collectively guilty for our race? You know, white privilege and we're oppressors versus oppressed. Is that correct? We're all collectively guilty. Whether you had any role in any oppression whatsoever, the left wants you to believe you're collectively guilty, which is kind of strange because... After the uh, really um, what I, I thought was a very uh, deeply disturbing anniversary of 9-11 this weekend, the left seems to have settled on a message, many of them. Yeah, it's not, you know, let's stop terrorism or any of that stuff. It's Islamophobia, which is strange because the left just told us we're all collectively guilty for things like race, religion, and other stuff. It's kind of kind of weird, right? Me- me- Different, different message. Yeah. Yeah. Very weird folks. Uh, loaded show on this Monday. I don't know if we're going to get through it all. A lot happened um, since I've last seen you on Friday. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U S survival rifle from Henry repeating arms. It's a portable rifle. You can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small. It can be stored anywhere in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. All right, Joe, let's go. All right. <laughs> yeah, Joe. Whoa. I know why Joe's a little, I'm not saying, but I know why Joe's a little sedated today. A little bit. I know why. I'm not saying. Okay. But Joe, I, I, my, my prayers are with you because I hate that kind of issue yeah. you just told me about. He's going to live, folks. He's going to live, I promise. Live. Maybe we'll tell you after Friday. Is that okay, Joe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. He's going to make it. I promise. Folks. All right, let's get to the show. We got a lot going on. So Democrats can't seem to settle on a message. You know, it was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I don't know how many of you saw my Fox show unfiltered, but the show looked um, nothing like the original show. And I said that. Not to relitigate the show. You've already seen it. This is a separate show, my podcast, but... If I can only show you what was in the teleprompter, the cues and all that stuff before and then what the actual show turned into. Because I said about three, four hours before the show, I was talking to Sabrina, Will and Kirsten who produced the show. And it's like three, four hours before we went to uh, Saturday at 10, before we went on the air. And I had been watching nine 11 video all day. And, uh, I just wasn't in the mood for anything optimistic, folks. I'm sorry. You know, it's a new week and, and, and life does go on. But I opened up the beginning of the show and I said, you know, you heard the old adage, right? Time heals all wounds. And I asked, does it? Because I, I, don't, I don't feel healed at all. I know many of you don't either. Matter of fact, I feel as pissed off today as I did 20 years ago. And I said that on the air. And I spoke spiked every story in the show that wasn't involved with 9-11 and said, no, this is what we're going to do. 
And it was my, you know, my idea. It wasn't, you know, the producers are great. They, you know, we work together, but, you know, they, I had had other ideas and I said, nah, scrap it. In other words, it wasn't their fault. The show was mine. I, I just read the day wrong. I just did. I didn't know I would have that, that tidal wave of emotion back again. I read it all wrong. I read myself all wrong. And I'm still raging over it. But what I find bizarre, again, is how, you know, the roughly 30, 40% of the country that classify themselves as left-leaning Democrats or in some cases radical Democrats, I'm sure they wouldn't describe themselves as radical, but they are, they can't seem to settle on a message. Here's Justin Trudeau. Now, again, this is a, Justin Trudeau is obviously Canadian, and not, but he represents much of the American left. I've heard a lot of this. I've seen a lot of it in coverage. Who their message on 9-11, instead of a message uh, attacking the terrorists who use who used Islam to, 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 to murder 3,000 Americans. No, no. Their concern on 9-11 was more about Islamophobia, which, let me be clear, that is a collective guilt issue. And obviously, Islamophobia is a stain, okay? Because we don't condemn people collectively based on the guilt of a few people. We don't do that. But it's weird how the left does. See, we're, we're consistent, right? You're not collectively guilty for the sins of someone else. You're not, right? The left can't seem to settle on a message. Here's Trudeau, who wants to talk about uh, 9-11, wants to talk about Islamophobia. Clearly, he's saying no one is collectively guilty for the sins of those hijackers. No one. Check this out. And I also can't help on this anniversary to reflect on Muslim Canadians for whom things also changed on September 11th as... Attitudes shifted. And that reminds us that over these past years and continuing today into the future, we all need to stand together against intolerance, hatred, racism, and Islamophobia. So just to be clear, there's the left, and it's Trudeau, but a lot of, again, American leftist media types had the same message. Big concern today is Islamophobia. Listen, any phobia is a concern because conservatives, unlike liberal hypocrite frauds like Trudeau, the American media and others, don't believe someone is guilty for the sins of another simply because they have the same religion or same skin color. That's what we believe. That's what we believe. Conservatives, big R, God-given rights. Everybody should be judged by their own character and their own actions. This is None of this is mysterious. The left does not believe that. They only believe that when it comes to people who practice Islam. That's all they believe, meaning they don't believe it at all. They don't believe it at all. You, you doubt me? Here is a lunatic media reporter from the L.A. Times. Uh, some woman, Jean Guerra, I don't know what, it doesn't even matter. I don't even care. She's on CNN, bizarrely claiming that, she's white, by the way. She's white. Claiming that the black Republican candidate for governor in California, Larry Elder, is somehow a white supremacist. So again, if you practice Islam, you're not responsible for the actions of people on 9-11. And you're not. Conservatives believe that. But liberals are very concerned about a collective sense of guilt. Everybody's collective. They're, they're concerned about it until they can impose collective guilt on everyone else who's a white supremacist, even if you're black. Check this out. He's essentially been running his campaign on Fox News and on mm. right-wing media outlets. 
Um, he he's refused to talk to large, you know, to, to nonpartisan and uh, media outlets and to journalists who are critical of him, uh, has refused to answer difficult questions, often uses uh, the few interviews that he does give as an opportunity to give a performance on, on social media, uh, you know, denouncing those journalists and um, playing the, the victim. Um, but he has been able to reach the, the minority of voters in California who embrace his his white supremacist worldview. This is re- Joe, that's real. That's not, I, I, we, we didn't, we didn't edit that. I mean, it's only edited for time. We did, it, it is. It, it's, it's stunning. So, again, Larry Elder, who happens to be black, is collectively guilty for the crimes of, quote, whites, as pointed out by a white reporter about the black Larry Elder. But again, people who practice Islam are not responsible for the terror acts. You see how, which is correct, by the way. And unlike them, we're actually consistent. Larry Elder is a, is a white. Folks, these people are fundamentally not serious. I want you to catch them in this logic trap every single time they bring up critical race theory and the white oppressor. I want you to ask very, very simple, pointed, to-the-point questions. I want you to say very simply, so you're claiming that someone is an oppressor simply because of skin color. They're collectively guilty. So you believe in collective guilt, correct? You do. That's what you said. Are Americans who practice Islam guilty for the sins of those on 9-11, the terrorists? Of course they're not. Okay, thanks. So there's no collective guilt. So there's collective guilt for whites, but not people who practice Islam. I'm just, I'm just trying to pin you down on your answer here, folks. Just trying to pin you down. Because they don't, they're phonies. These people are total frauds. Here, here's ABC News again. This is on September 11th. This is an article. Again, not focused on terrorism. How 9-11 still affects Islamophobia and discrimination against Muslim Americans. Here we go. What is it? Is collective guilt a bad thing or is it not a bad thing? The answer is it's a bad thing. Be a conservative. You'll find consistency in your life. Of course you can't. You're a liberal. You don't have any principles. You're just making it up as you go along. All right, moving on because I've got a lot to get to. The worst 9-11 take of the day. This guy is a tool bag like you've never seen before. The only reason I don't consider him for the dopey talking head Olympics is he's not important enough and very few people know who he is. I ran into this guy once. He was in like a cafe at Politicon in L.A. And I just I like I wanted to say something, but I usually you know what? It's just not appropriate. So I left it. I really the guy was by himself and I just let it go. But here's Jonathan Capehart, one of the dumbest guys on television. Here's him talking about after 9-11. This is this was the worst 9-11 take I could find out there. And there were a lot of stupid ones that the magosphere, again, collective guilt. If you voted for Trump, you're collectively guilty for some phantom crime Trump supporters have committed. They don't even have an actual crime. Here you go. Here's Jonathan Capor. MAGA is more worrisome than terrorism. Check this out. I think um, MAGA and the domestic terror threat is much more worrisome than any foreign threat we could face. MAGA is more. Collective guilt is back. Collective guilt, not for people who practice Islam, but MAGA supporters, you're collectively guilty for some phantom crime Trump people are putting out there. That, they can't settle on a message because they don't have a message. This is the very hallmark of liberalism, which is total subjectivity. The rules change like that because all liberals care about is power. And when they feel like they can make conservatives look like they're Islamophobes, 
by pinning this label on them, they will do it imputing at a, you know, a, and also okay, refuting collective guilt. But when they feel like they can make you look like a white supremacist being responsible for the crimes of someone else who happen to be white, collective guilt is back. I don't want to leave you with all bad news, of course, 9-11, the 20th year anniversary. Again, I, I read my, my own emotions that day all wrong. I was not ready to go on the air live at 10 p.m. with anything other than a sense of rage, and I'm sorry. You know, candidly, my, my wife didn't like the show. I got a lot of great feedback on it, but she didn't. Paula thought, you know, the show was very dour and down, and I said, I'm sorry, but that's how I felt. That was me. Um, that's okay. A lot of us, as a matter of fact, he and us on Friday, we don't always agree on the show, and that's okay. I don't like yes people. But it wasn't about whether I liked the show or not on Saturday night. It was, I felt I owed you authenticity. You're owed that. And I wasn't feeling optimistic on Friday night. But there are some good things that happened over the weekend. Um, here is a very nice gesture by the United Kingdom during their changing of the guard, where after 9-11, they played our national anthem, and they did it again 20 years later. Keep in mind, the United Kingdom now. By the way, they pulled their vaccine passport. The United Kingdom is actually showing us, giving us some lessons right now, not in the economy where they're raising taxes again, which is super weird for Boris Johnson uh, to do. I mean, he's turning into a big liberal Democrat. But here's the UK. Thank you, United Kingdom. I thought this was a nice gesture. Check this out. That was very nice of him to do that. Um, here's another good moment. Again, I don't want to leave you with all bad news. There were, there was a, I think, a renewed sense of patriotism this weekend amongst a lot of people, not all, but a lot. Good swaths of the country. I hope that stays. Here's the Army game, the Army football team, which I think won last week. I don't know. Ironically, I don't know. I haven't followed much this weekend. I've been so busy putting the show together. But here is the Army uh, football team at a voice point coming out, everyone holding an American flag. This is a really powerful moment. Check this out. The cadets who are taking the field with three first responders, all with American flags, onto the field at Mikey Stadium as they are fired up after a wonderful win last week against Georgia State and bringing all that emotion here to West Point for the home opener. That was great to see. And just quick, because I want to power through this, I really do have a ton to get to. This was such a huge news weekend. Here is a little bit of levity. It's, all right, folks, this one is like, you're, <laughs> I debated putting this in, but it is hilarious. So Joe Biden, a couple of New this is just New Yorkers, right? I'm a New Yorker. Um, I know how New Yorkers are. If anyone has the right to express an opinion about 9-11, it's New Yorkers. So Joe Biden showed up at a very somber ceremony on 9-11, the reading of the names, which happens every year. And a couple of New Yorkers just weren't having it. And um, I love the accent on this guy filming this terror. I can't even do a New York accent anymore. It's kind of embarrassing because I spent most of my adult life in New York, was raised in New York, was born in New York. I'm a Queens kid, have been uh, most of my life up until 20. And I can't do a New York accent anymore, which is horrifying. Terrible. Terrible. You got to listen to this guy here yeah. as he's videotaping Joe. But was that, I don't know. Joe's like laughing. It's probably a terrible New York accent. Key, was it bad? Was, it was, 
It was a geese shaking his head. Yeah, he's like, okay, I don't know. I think he's just being nice. But listen to the guy at the end in the background as Joe Biden approaches a bunch of kids and what he I'm sorry, I, I, I don't, this is just, I'm sorry. I got to just play it. Check it out. You're a mud for what you did to Afghanistan. Terrible, terrible. Don't sniff him. Terrible. Terrible, terrible. See, this is embarrassing. Armacost, who's like Scottish from Maryland, does a better New York accent than me, the Italian kid from literally from Queens. Like this is this is really horrible. And that, that's New York. You hear the guy? He's like, you're a mutt. For what you did in Afghanistan. Yeah. That's New Yorkers. You're a mutt. That's a that's a total, like Joey Bagadonis, that's a total New York term. You're a mutt. That's a that is, by the way, there are very few things worse in New York than being called a mutt. Like a mutt is like that. And it really it's almost an insult to dogs in some cases. You're a mutt. You're a you're terrible. That's a total New York. And the guy at the end as he approaches a kid, I gotta laugh. He says <laughs> Don't sniff them. <laughs> don't sniff them. Don't sniff. Don't sniff them. Don't sniff them. I am. So, I'm sorry. I. I, I <laughs> all right. I off. I know. Stop laughing. I've been laughing at this all weekend. All right. Let me get to my second sponsor. And uh, a very seriously, a very uh, changing kind of gears a little bit. Coming up after this, a very, very serious article coming up afterwards from American Greatness. Where he asked a question, are we already in a cold civil war? I read it this week and I was like, whoa, like we really have to talk about this piece. It's amazing. Coming up next. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. This is a really profound article I read this week, and I want to get right to it. It asks a pretty bold question. Are we already in a cold civil war with the left? And if we are, why hasn't many, why haven't many on the right woken up to that fact? Now, I don't think that's many in my audience who've been woken up to this a long time ago, but there are many in the DC swamp who still believe that the left views us as just people with bad ideas. They don't. They don't. How many times do I have to say this? The left does not view us as people with bad ideas. They view us as bad people with ideas. There's a huge difference. Bad people with ideas. They don't care what your ideas are. They see you as bad people. That is important. You must understand the distinction. Here's the article by uh, Tom Thomas D. Kligenstein at American Greatness. It'll be in my newsletter today. Bongino.com slash newsletter Subscribe for free. Please check it out. It's called Winning the Cold Civil War. Goes through the steps. And step number one, this cold civil war room. We have the American left and us. Folks, first the step is recognizing that we are in a cold civil war. It is zero sum. You have one side, us. That When I say zero sum, that means that whatever is right on one side has to be wrong on the other side. 
whatever is taken here has to be given there. These, these things can't exist at the same time, okay? There is no overlapping of the circles here. Does everybody understand that? There is, this is not the Democrat Party of the 50s, where the overlapping circle between the right and the left was what? Well, we all love America. We all want to, you know, we all want our kids to grow up in a prosperous country. That is not what's happening anymore. Maybe for some Democrats who are moderate, but the liberal left hates this country and wants to see it go away. Stat. They just do. You must accept that. It is critical you accept that because we believe in things like liberty, free and fair elections, judging people by their character, not their skin color or their religion. The left does not believe that. Those two things cannot exist. Here, getting back to the piece from this American Greatness piece. He says winning this cold civil war requires two fundamental understandings. First, you must understand that you are, in fact, in a war. Wartime requires very different rhetoric, strategy, and people than peacetime. Trump is a wartime leader. Second, you must understand your enemy, what it wants, and how it goes about getting what it wants. What our enemy wants is the destruction of the American way of life. It goes about it by trying to force everyone to say America is systemically racist. If it can convince us of this falsehood, it will be well on its way to overturning the American way of life. Folks, we got to recognize we are in a cold civil war for liberty and freedom in the future of this country. There are people that want to take the liberty and freedom of others away. Everything from mandates to teaching our kids CRT, which is the taking away of their freedom because they're not free. They're supposed to be treated differently if they're white because they're oppressors. You treat an oppressor differently than they treat someone who's oppressed, whether they're oppressing or not. They want to take your liberty and freedom away. We have to recognize we are, in fact, in a war for the spirit of this country. We still have people up in Congress and the Senate, the Mitt Romney types, this uh, loser up in Illinois, Adam Kinzinger, a total zero, who just don't get it. They believe if they play tiddlywinks with the left and roast s'mores with them around a campfire and sing campfire songs, they believe the left will leave us alone. They really love America, too. They don't. A lot of moderate Democrats, yes, do, and just see the world a little differently. That is not the radical left. They hate you. They see you as bad people with ideas. There's a difference. That's why I'm constantly saying new rules, folks. The new rules are we win, you lose. You want to play by the old, rule, the old rules? Oh, let's sit around and, and, and discuss the debate, the value of liberty and freedom. They don't care. They don't care. We have to just vote these people out and get rid of them in the political ecosystem. They're killing and destroying this country. <clears throat> All right. We got to recognize their motives, too. Recognize it's a war and recognize their motives. Their motives on the left are totalitarian power. That is their motive. Stop pretending it's anything else. All right, moving on because this topic infuriates me. But the second screenshot from this piece, and I want to fault myself here. When I have to make a correction, I will. I get another one coming up later, which is important. Something I, I met someone this weekend. I used to say on this show, you can go find it yourself. My episodes in my entire library are still there that I really believe the free market would find the solution to corporate censorship and elsewhere. And I used to use the line often, and I meant it. I used to say, I'm not willing to trade the power of corporations I can get away from for the power of a government I can't. 
this is a little deeper than I intended this section, but my logic there was I don't want the government to try to do anything to stop YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. That was my position. I'm not here to run away from it. I'm not here to pretend it didn't happen, but that was my position for a long time. I had a very libertarian leaning. The free market will figure it out eventually. You know, with discussions with people I've had, like Michael Knowles and others and other th you know, thought leaders around the movement, ladies and gentlemen, I've changed my position significantly. Because the government now has taken a subordinate role. The government now avoids complications of violating the Bill of Rights, your right to assemble and your right to speak by deputizing private industry and letting them do it themselves. They wink and a nod to YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and they've ushered in a new era of censorship addressed in this piece. And that must be stopped. And if that's with government power, then we have to do it. And I'm sorry to my, you know, many of my friends who think that, you know, liberty is in letting the free market try to solve a, 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 an existential human rights problem. It's not. It isn't anymore. Here, from the piece. This addresses this from the American Greatness piece. In a traditional totalitarian regime, the government uses arbitrary violence to control every aspect of public and private life, all the way down to Little League. In America, the government does not control everything. Pay attention here, it's important. But today, through the power of the purse and the courts, the government influences a lot. And where the government leaves off, the cultural business complex takes over. Yes, yes. Here's how the left is doing it now and why traditional you know, straight, you know, air quotes, liberty, because it was not liberty. I was wrong. Where the traditional, oh, leave the government out of it, the free market will figure out, has totally failed us. The government has figured out they can practice a new form of socialism. They don't need violence. They don't need to steal your business straight out the government like they would in the Soviet Union, right? The government's figured out if they regulate your business to death and they tax it to death, they own it already. It's what Kevin Williamson in his book, uh, what is it, The Idiot's Guide to Socialism or the, whatever it was. I forget, but it's a good book. It's not a huge fan of mine, but I don't care. Good ideas are good ideas. He says, we don't need to practice old-style socialism in the United States. We'll be, the government just takes your business and controls the means of production. If it imposes a bunch of rules that make no sense and then taxes all of your income, it owns it anyway. And then when you start a business that they don't like, what do they do? They just use the private sector to take you down. That doesn't happen, Dan, does it? Because I used to be involved with Parler a long time ago. It's funny. I remember the government didn't come in like communists and get rid of Parler. They just used the private industry to do the dirty work for them. Remember AOC and Ro Khanna tweeting out, hey, AWS, Google, Apple, be a real shame if you got rid of Parler, we get a nod. And they did. You think the free market's going to solve that? The free market in this case was not free, and the free market were accomplices to the crime. Here's the third part of this piece. It's fantastic. Again, covers the new rules I've said. The new rules are we win, you lose. Put aside your old, oh, we can't use government to fight back. Government's an inherently bad thing. It usually is. But what else you want to use? The free market that's, al that's allied against you? Do rights matter or not? The piece says, how should Republicans respond? What should we do about all this? The essential thing, as I've tried to stress, is for Republicans to understand that we're in a war and act accordingly. 
War's not a time for too much civility, compromise, or for, for imputing good motives to the enemy, like Adam Kinzinger and Mittens Romney do. I threw that in there. Our generals must fight as if the choice were between liberty and death. This is no time for sunshine patriots. Amen, Brother Thomas. You either understand that this fight is critical and existential or you don't. You want to sit down and, you know, write white papers all day? You go right ahead. We're going to go out and win elections and take our government back. And we're going to run on candidates that believe in what we believe. Dude, Busy two I'm so glad today. that you brought this topic up. I am so glad. Thank you. Well, how long we've been talking about this? How long we've been talking about this? Thank you. And, 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 and we've been talking about two things here because you've been with me from the beginning. One I was wrong on. I'm telling you I was wrong on it. Oh, the free market will figure this out, folks. The government is is is, is always and every time going to be a ma- – and it, it is. But it's the only tool we've got right now. And then second, the new rules. Everybody, oh, let's just sit down and have a debate with the left. It's not working. It's not working. Rights are evaporating every day. It's not working. All right. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Coming up next is a important, obviously, election coming up. California election. Recall election tomorrow. The most grotesque media headline I have ever seen. And that's saying a lot. Coming up next. All right. So vote, California. Vote, vote, vote. Remember my 10, 10, and 10 rule. What's my 10, 10, and 10 rule? Today. Do this today. Please. I'm begging you. Do this today. Obviously, you vote. But that's not good enough. You voting's not good enough. We are vastly outnumbered in California. Follow the 10, 10, and 10 rule. Please call 10 people today. It's a small task. Call 10 people and make sure they're getting out to vote. If you can't call 10 people, can you send 10 emails or send one email to 10 people? It's not hard. Please vote tomorrow. Here's the California State Board of Elections site. We can find where to vote, whatever it may be. Just one email. Send it to 10 of your friends. If you don't want to do that, please. Send 10 tweets, 10 parlor posts, 10 getter posts, 10 Facebook posts between today and tomorrow. Asking people to go out and vote. We have got to do our best to take back California. But let me just add, I think California, regardless of the outcome, and this is not me, um, you know, virtue signaling to anyone or being hyperbolic. I really do believe California is already a win. I'd rather win outright, obviously, and get uh, Larry Elder or Kevin Kiley or whatever candidate you choose in there. Whoever, whoever's not Gavin Newsom. <clears throat> Folks, they had to spend $70 million in California for a gubernatorial election. They already won. We spent, what, 15? So we've got a net $55 million hole the Democrats had to spend to win a governor's race they already won. How did we lose? And and this is a close race. At least the polling seems to indicate as such today. How did we lose? It shows again. Smile a little bit today. Regardless of the outcome, I don't want you to think, and I'm not trying to tell you in advance we're not going to win. I'm not doing any of that. I'm optimistic. I hope we have a shot. I'm very optimistic we do. I'm just saying to you, hold your head high, please. I'm not kidding. This was a huge win. It showed that even in blue California, the bluest state in the union, we can organize and we can make their politics sting too. 
Now, the LA Times, which is a grotesque, disgusting newspaper. Whoever did this is just human filth. This is the most disgusting headline I've ever seen. So Larry Elder was attacked, him and his team, in a violent racist attack by a deranged racist lunatic in an ape costume. Larry Elder is obviously black. A disgusting racist attack. So the LA Times decided they were going to put out a headline because they had to report on this story, given how serious it was. And you're like, oh, so what's the downside? Here's the headline. With the foot make, pay very close attention to the photo. The LAPD is investigating the altercation involving Larry Elder at Venice Homeless Encampment. Yeah, they had to. His team was attacked violently. But notice the picture they used. The altercation? The picture, as you can see, if you're watching on Rumble, folks, please, watch rumble.com slash Bongino. Please watch this. Look at the picture they use. It's a picture of a totally different incident. Not the incident where Larry Elder was attacked by a woman in an ape costume. It's a picture of Larry Elder getting off a campaign bus, and it appears he's slapping a woman. Like, wait. Seeming to imply that Larry Elder's under investigation for hitting a woman. Now, here's the actual event. Here's Monkey Girl in the monkey costume, um, an obvious racist, appearing to uh, throw an egg at Larry Elder there after uh, she on video attacked Elder, Elder security guards, and others did too. That's the actual incident. But notice they didn't use that picture. They use that. Well, here's the video from the woman who was involved in that actual picture, not the, the, the one with the alleged uh, or appeared to be slap. Here's the actual video. Here's what happened. Please check this out. Oh, so the woman's actually a Larry Elder supporter and Larry's getting off the bus to give the woman a hug, and the picture is taken as Larry is going to reach around her shoulder to give the woman a hug, but it's made to look like Larry Elder slapping the woman. What a disgusting, grotesque, grotesque example of exactly where we are with the disgraceful, disgraceful Pravda-like American media, the LA Times, a disgraceful media outlet. Not only doesn't show the picture of Monkey Girl in an ape costume in a racist attack on Larry, but uses a picture from a totally different event entirely out of context to make it seem Larry Elder's under investigation for slapping, air quotes, a woman he was hugging. Vote, please. I'm begging you to vote. 10, 10 and 10. 10 phone calls, 10 social media posts, 10 emails. Please. You have until tomorrow. Please, please get out and vote. All right, moving on. So a correction for the show, but it's important. The truth matters. So I was at an event this weekend, and I ran into a um, a nice gentleman. And he came up to me as a photo line. I was on the photo line for about uh, two hours. My leg was killing me. You know, I had that vein taken out of my leg. That was a tough time standing. Wow, boo-hoo, poor me. It's, uh, why did I even say that? It sounds like that sounds so snowflakey. Cut that out of the show. Just kidding. Leave it in the show. But it was snowflakey. And I am, re- <laughs> I am actually, I'm rewinding the tape. Forget I just said that. But a guy comes up to me on the line, and he hands me a card. He was from the Jupiter Medical Center. I'm not going to say his name because the leftists will want to, you know, go and burn his building down or whatever. Do you remember Jupiter Medical Center? Is that ringing a bell for any of you? Joe, you remember Jupiter Medical Center? I know Gee did. That yeah. was the, uh, remember the video I had you cut of the alleged walkout 
at the hospital yeah. facility. Yeah. And yeah. Well, that was Jupiter Medical Center. Okay. So I run into a guy. I haven't told Joe any of this. That's why he sounds confused because he's hearing it as you are, folks, the first time. Nice, really nice guy. Um, he's at, obviously, a Republican event, so you can have a general idea of his politics, I'm assuming. And he's like, Dan, you know, you really kind of did us wrong there. He's like, it wasn't a walkout at all. He's like, I'm from Jupiter Medical Center. That was MSNBC. And I felt really bad. And I want to correct the record because it's important. He's like, that was MSNBC that did that. No one was walking out. It was really just an event promoting, you know, the public health, the vaccine stuff. They're doctors. So he's like, no one walked out. So to the staff at Jupiter Medical Center, seriously, I, I, I promise you it was done with no ill intent. We were really just following what MSNBC reported as a walkout. But that's not an excuse. I myself should have obeyed the Bongino rule, which is right, Joe, 72 hours. Let a yeah. story brew for 72 hours, and then the truth will typically come out. Clearly, MSNBC wanted a narrative out there that you unvaccinated losers, look, even doctors are walking out around the country. That is not what happened at that event. So to the crew at Jupiter Medical Center, you have my sincere apologies. I should have known it was Joe Scarborough. He's a fake news guy. I should have known the story wasn't real. The guy assured me it was in no way, shape, or form intended to, even implied that this was some kind of a walkout. It was really just a public health awareness event. So I felt really bad. And I think it's important we correct that. It's the right thing to do. So thank you to the staff at Jupiter Medical Center. And I got to say, I was there. I know the place well. That's why I was so bothered by the story. Do you know that? I had a surgery there on my left elbow with a really great doctor. I'm not naming names because the, the left will probably try to burn the place down now that they find out it wasn't a walkout because they're crazy like that. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on. So, you know, the COVID madness continues, folks. Uh, I noticed something. I saw this story at the Washington Examiner today by David Hogberg. Northwestern states struggle with Delta variant surge. So I looked at some of the states, and one of them was uh, a liberal state, Oregon. So, of course, I'm going to play for you a bunch of videos coming up about how the media that has attacked Ron DeSantis for the same Delta surge, which is not controllable based on your politics or anything. The virus does what the virus does. I'm going to show you a bunch of videos, Guy, queue them up, five or six from the media, attacking the blue state governor of Oregon for the Delta surge like they did for Ron DeSantis. Just kidding! Of course we're not going to play any of that because there isn't any of that. When a blue state has a surge, nobody cares at all. When a red state has a surge, it's the subject of endless screening. Ron DeSantis, death DeSantis. That's Santa's. Ron DeSantis is killing people. Blue state governor of Oregon, blue state governor of Hawaii, a brutal surge. Nobody bothers them at all. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not suggesting they should. Again, unlike leftists, I have actual principles, not like loser imbecile leftists. And these governors can't do anything. It's a virus. It spreads. No, either Ron DeSantis or the governor of Oregon or the governor of Hawaii is going to do a damn thing to stop this virus. It will either burn itself out through natural immunity and herd immunity or a combination of vaccination, therapeutics, treatments, whatever it may be. Of course, we're not going to play you any videos of that, but we do have some videos. You know what? Before we get to this, let me let me get to my last sponsor. And I want to here's Fauci coming up next. Fauci saying the quiet part out loud again. And oh, my gosh, natural immunity. All of a sudden, Fauci's confused. Fauci, who, who's, who, who, who's uh, stayed in the Holiday Inn Express last night, I guess, and pretends to be a doctor on TV, right? He's a doctor. 
Fauci's all of a sudden recognizing natural immunity is a thing, which is just figured that out. Strange. Neither me, Joe, or Guy are medical professionals. We were, we were aware of that whole chicken pox thing. Okay. So the COVID madness continues again. We will see no coverage of the blue states suffering a really dreadful, uh, you know, surge. And listen, there's nothing they can do. So here's Fauci. He's asked this weekend about natural immunity, natural immunity, meaning you've had COVID, you recovered from COVID. Do you have antibodies, memory B and T cells? The answer is yes, of course you do. So if you have those, a lot of people are asking the question, then what's the benefit of a vaccine if you have natural immunity? So Fauci's asked this question by Sanjay Gupta on CNN. It's like, uh, uh, here, check this out. There was a study that came out of Israel about natural immunity. And basically the headline was that natural immunity provides a lot of protection, even better than the vaccines alone. Um, how, what, are, what are people to make of that? So, so as we talk about vaccine mandates, there are, I get calls all the time. People say, I've already had COVID. I'm protected. And now the study says maybe even more protected than the vaccine alone. Should they also get the vaccine? How do you make the case to them? You know, that's a really good point, Sanjay. I don't have a really firm answer for you on that. That's something that we're going to have to discuss regarding the durability of the response. The one thing the paper from Israel didn't tell you is whether or not as high as the protection is with natural infection, what's the durability compared to the durability mm. of a vaccine? He just nailed it. We were, you know, again, we listen to this as you guys do. The mandate first for the vaccine. Let's discuss if it actually works later. Like, this is why nobody trusts this guy. Just please stop talking. Americans are at the point now where whatever Fauci says, they're like, I think I'm going to do the opposite. And then another thing he brought up this morning, he, we have this, you know, we can search for sound. That's why we have so much sound, audio, and video in the show. So Guy's like, Joe, this is a good point, right? Guy says to me this morning, he goes, Dan, I guarantee you, if you were to put in any search engine where we go for our sound and stuff, Fauci taking contradictory opinions, you'll find it. Fauci loves masks. Fauci hates masks. Fauci thinks mandates are great. Fauci thinks mandates are terrible. Fauci thinks we should wear two masks. Fauci thinks we don't need masks. Fauci thinks we need any single, just put anything in there. And you will see two contradictory statements by Fauci. This is by nobody trusts this guy. But he brings up a point at the end. Again, I've been making the entire time. It's not news here. About, well, is natural immunity durable? Good, good question. You know what the answer, Joe, is? I have the answer. Here's the answer. I don't know. Neither does anyone else. We've only had coronavirus tragically with us for about two years. So tautologically, we have no idea if coronavirus durability of from a natural infection is good for any more than two years because it's only been here two years. Hello, McFly. My point is Fauci's acknowledging a knowledge deficit. So maybe we should figure out how long immunity lasts from an infection before we impose a vaccine mandate to give people immunity they may already have. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not a doctor. I'm just throwing it out there because it's common sense. You may have immunity for a long time. You may not. Maybe, maybe we should get the answer to that first. Uh, <laughs> they do the bozo thing. By the way, there is data out there. Now, to be clear, this is not peer-reviewed. 
But the data from Israel is very compelling. Here, you want to look it up? About natural immunity. Comparing SARS-CoV-2 natural immunity to vaccine-induced immunity. Reinfections versus breakthrough infections. Again, it's not peer-reviewed data yet, but it is data by respected people in Israel who've sadly suffered another outbreak. And they're figuring out that natural immunity, at least in the short time frame we've had it, because we've only had coronavirus with us for two years, is particularly effective. I, I can't believe we're doing this. Like, this is a podcast on politics, and we're coaching Dr. Fauci on how virology works. This is embarrassing. I'm serious. It's embarrassing. Please, to the fact check losers out there, please correct anything I just said. Is natural immunity a thing or not? Do people who've had coronavirus have natural immunity? Number three, do you disagree that we don't know how durable it is because we've only had it two years and maybe four, we should figure that out before we demand people take a vaccine under penalty of losing their job? Please, what about that is controversial? But we live in this new cold civil war of censorship saying any of those things is considered controversial. Here, by the way, hat tip Tom uh, Elliott, the great Tom Elliott from Grabian. He posted this HHS letter I'd never seen before to his social media feed. Here, you see this part in the middle? This is from the Department of Health and Human Services to all the mask people out there, obsessed with spending their entire day focused on masks. Quote, CDC is not aware of any randomized control trials that show that masks or double masks or cloth masks are effective against COVID-19. I'd never seen that before. But again, let's spend the entire day on vaccine mandates and masks. Forget therapeutics, any of that other stuff. Just let's spend the entire day on masks. But the media, don't worry, folks, says it's not a choice, the vaccine mandate, because they seem to know more. You had that dreadful Dr. Leanna went. You know what, Jim, I know you listen. Can you pull that for the radio show? I didn't have enough time for the podcast. Anyway. Remember Leanna went from CNN, who yeah. every week is making yeah. an appearance for more of her stupidity? Yeah, she was on CNN suggesting that the right to travel between states and board a plane is not a constitutional right. She's never apparently seen the privileges and immunities clause of the Constitution. Again, these are the people on TV. Dr. Leanna, very serious person. She's an MD, Joe. That's not in the Constitution anywhere, the right to travel. to. Actually, it is. You should probably read the Constitution sometime before you go on the air and come. But you're comment on it. But you're Leanna Wen. Here's another media dunce. This is Cheryl Stolberg, very serious person from the New York Times. She's their coronavirus reporter. Who says, yeah, you know, the vaccine thing totally knows nothing about natural immunity or anything. She's like, that's definitely not your choice. You will get it because I'm from the New York Times and I tell you to get it here. Check this out. I'm sorry to be to, to be coarse about this, but there are hundreds of thousands of people who are dead because they did not take the vaccine. What I mean, the science is playing out before our eyes. Right. So a couple of things about what the governor said. First of all, in an infectious disease outbreak, Getting vaccinated is not a personal choice. It's not. Yeah, um, it is. It is. You're just a crazy person. Yes, it is. And we're not taking our advice from you idiots, the PP tape hoaxers at the New York Times. Folks, do not trust these people. Here. You want the coup de gras? You want the icing on the cake right here? Here is Dr. Uh, 
This is Dr. Fanthony Couchy. Yes, Fanthony Couchy, not Anthony Couchy. This is a different, he looks like Anthony Fauci, but it's not. This is Dr. Fanthony Couchy. He found this tomorrow. It's a bizarre thing. But this is a guy who gives us some, he looks like Anthony Fauci, which is crazy. Here is Fanthony Couchy two years ago on with Bloomberg. He's like a twin to Dr. Anthony Fauci, saying a bunch of common sense things that Anthony Fauci's not saying now. Like, don't get into mask hysteria, you know, live your life, eat healthy, exercise, life goes on. So here's Fanthony Couchy, looks a lot like Anthony Fauci, two years ago on Bloomberg, giving common sense advice that Anthony Fauci today is, is almost twin, um, has not is not giving, just completely contradictory, reaffirming Guy's point that if you put this in uh, any search engine, you can get Fanthony Couchy or Anthony Fauci to say anything you want. Check this out. The best way for me to prevent getting an infectious disease and having to have you as my doctor is what? Um, wearing a mask. No, um, no, no. I need to do that. <laughs> you, um, if somebody's, I can see they're ready to sneeze or cough, you, walk away. You avoid all the paranoid aspects and okay. do something positive. A, good diet. B, you don't smoke, I know. I know you don't drink, at least not very much, so that's pretty good. Get some exercise. I know that you don't get as much exercise as yes, you should. That's correct. Get good sleep. I think the, the normal, low-tech Healthy things okay. are the best thing that you can do, David, is stay healthy. All right, well, I'm going to try to do that, and hopefully when I next see you, I will be even healthier than I am today. Okay, so Fanthony Couchy, totally refuting the now current, that was two years ago, refuting the advice of Anthony Fauci today, saying, yeah, yeah, don't get into the mask hysteria, you know, live a healthy life, and, you know, life goes on, don't be paranoid. Of course, it's a dumb joke. Of course, that's Anthony Fauci. Again, as Guy said before, just type in Anthony Fauci, whatever. Anthony Fauci loves masks. Anthony Fauci, masks are paranoid. Anthony Fauci, live in your house. Don't go out. Quarantine yourself 24 hours a day. Anthony Fauci, don't be paranoid. Live healthy. Eat a healthy life. I mean, like, one more just for the sake of showing you how awful these people really are. Again, hat tip Tom Elliott over at Grabian. Here's a super cut from Tom Elliott with the with government officials, Peppermint Patty, uh, Joe Biden and others. Here is a supercut of all of them saying Fauci, of course, how vaccine mandates that they now say are the thing. This is the thing. You want to be cool? You got to get a vaccine. Vaccine mandates, hip, edgy, you know, given the like, surfer dude thing. Uh, yeah, here's him a while ago saying how vaccine mandates suck and they're not the right thing. Again, whatever position you want, whatever position you want, it's like the eight ball thing. <laughs> whatever position you want, you'll eventually find it with these losers. Check this out. We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. Needless to say, the right of women to make decisions about their own bodies is not negotiable. No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. Our interest is very simple from the federal government, which is Americans' privacy and rights should be protected. It is a matter of privacy to know who is or who isn't. We don't want to be mandating from the federal government to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate. Perhaps the federal government should step in and issue mandates. And if not, are you putting the needs of unvaccinated people ahead of the needs of vaccinated people? Well, I think the question here, one, that's not the role of the federal government. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. First, we must increase vaccinations among the unvaccinated with new vaccination requirements. You know, the odd part about this, Mary Catherine Hamm made a great point. 
She said, isn't it just really crazy how the people who worked throughout the pandemic in the early days when we had no idea what was going on. Sorry, I didn't mean to be distracted. I was reading uh, I was reading some stuff from some feedback from a fan and they want me to correct some stuff, but in uh, your feedback matters. But the early days of the pandemic, we had no idea what the or not was, the lethality of the virus. No idea. The early days of the pandemic, people, some people thought the lethality of the virus was 20%. 20% of people contracted it would die. It wasn't, of course. But people thought the or not, the infectiousness of it was higher. But people, grocery store clerks, sanitation workers, cops, firemen, EMTs, doctors and stuff, they all went to work. Many of them got sick. Many of them died. But some didn't. Some recovered and are now conferred with some sense of natural immunity. And we don't know how long it lasts, but we know it's real, obviously. So now they have natural immunity because they suffered for you. The irony now of forcing them, many of them who don't want a vaccine, who have natural immunity, the irony of now, after they worked for you, as many of us, me included, didn't have to commute. Although I don't want, I'm not imposing on them anything. But I'm not above that. We relied on them. And now the irony of us who got to work from home, many of us, the entire time, and these liberals, because I know it's you not doing it, I'm certainly not pushing it. But these liberals now pushing on them, you will do what we say and get a vaccine. Weird, huh? All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. By the way, thanks to everyone who joined uh, Jorge Masvidal, uh, UFC fighter, just a terrific guy, fighter for freedom and liberty, too. So he's speaking out against the oppression in Cuba. Is on Rumble. He had a great Rumble rant this weekend. It's like a live chat where you can join in. Go check it out on Jorge Masvidal. Subscribe to his account on Rumble. It's terrific. I, I make an appearance at about the uh, 36-minute mark. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah, check that out. You'll like it. And then subscribe to my Rumble account too, rumble.com slash Bungito. See you on the radio a little later. Thanks for tuning in. You just heard Dan Bongino.